welcome to Beyond Beckdale, the podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host, Contrera. is back here for the second of our pandemic pods this is episode two of the emergency pandemic podcast episodes hi nick hello right so when we were researching movies and other things related to pandemics and disasters you found that you could categorize um the films into two distinct types One were those focusing on a pandemic, which could be slow or fast, and we'll get to that. And the other side are uh, what we kind of called planetary or doomed species, where there's a human aspect um, and we are part of a problem. So does that that sound... Yeah. So that's that's how we're we're breaking it up into what's an actual pandemic and Mm. what can pandemic movies teach us Mm. and what are planetary doom species movies? What what, what (laughs) can they teach us? Because either way, we're kind of feeling a bit fragile. So let's look to films. um, To make us feel feel better. I don't know about that, but. Okay, so we can just go. We can go between the two. We can we can start yeah. with planetary if sure. you want. But I thought maybe you'd start with. So I thought we'll have some categories. Uh-huh. So we'll say what the what the what our genre is for this. What um, and whether there's a subgenre. Yeah. Um, and then we'll talk about the the media property. Who are the stars? Who are the leads? Who are the people that we're rooting for? Um, what happens? And then what's the lesson? we can learn at this critical time does that sound all right (laughs) yes so we probably won't go into any detail on this because we tried to record this earlier and i don't think it really works but do you want to quickly talk about um day of the triffids and what's so interesting about that so as far as i'm aware there was a there's been a tv movie it was originally a book yes I don't know if... Has there been a film film? I think there may have been. Um, But a um, long time ago. I I remember from my childhood, the BBC made a... a Yeah, that's the one I remember. And Um, they made a new one recently. Yeah. And they probably probably have made a TV... I'm I'm going to guess, because the book came out, I think, in the 1950s. They probably made either a... Probably made a film in the the 50s or the 60s, I would have thought. And I apologise for not knowing what that is. But we haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's it's one of the original sort of doomsday books, in some respects, um, about plants that attack humans and you said there was an event where yeah everyone becomes yeah, blind yeah there's some kind some kind of celestial event that blinds people mm-hmm. and that's critical to the way that that's critical in understanding the threat from the triffids so to speak because without that they're just a bunch of plants that move a little bit but don't really cause you that much damage. And stick their big um, tongues out. Yeah, they have like a poisonous tongue, um, which is potentially lethal. But you can avoid it. It's relatively simple. Okay, and so um, this is probably, if we're just testing our rules, so this is probably a subgenre of um, like some kind of environmental issues yeah. and alien arrival. Yeah. Um, and our, it's, it's through one guy's... One guy's yeah, eyes, yeah, huh? yeah. So to speak. Go yeah, on. it is. It is. Um, he 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 wakes up in a hospital 
and uh, wanders around sort of dead London, so to speak, or, or at least empty London in a scene reminiscent of 28 Days Later. Yeah. Um, and then has to sort of piece together what's happened at that point. He already knows the Triffids are there, because I think the Triffids mm-hmm. are the, the ones that originally blinded him anyway. Or I think it was a baby Triffid, not, not, a, not a fully grown one that, okay. that stung him. That have been growing in his garden, and so when he breaks up... how does it end up? Um, from memory, and I apologise, I think they wind up on the Isle of Wight, reckon, mm-hmm. and they've managed to clear the Isle of Wight of all the Triffids, uh, relatively, because again, they're not that, they're not so deadly that you can't kill them. Um, and they also know they can't cross water, so in effect, the Isle of Wight becomes uh, a haven for people. So it ends with the Isle of Wight being okay, but the rest of the UK... Well, presumably, Still... presumably the rest of the world, but but as yeah. is, tends to be the case in these things, um, the UK is where it's centred. So you sort of live well, most of these things are American now. Um, so back in the day, it was the UK. Okay, and what is this? So, so so tell the listeners. So what is the one lesson or something to take into account? Well, it's an environmental book. Um, there is no explanation offered as to where the Triffids necessarily came from, um, and as a result, you, you're you're kind of wondering, well. Well, it, it represents an environmental threat in a simple in a simple way. It's saying, be careful what you do to Mother Nature, because Mother Nature will, will fight back. Okay, but that's, it, but it's, that's the but lesson. But it's a funny thing, because for all we know, the, the, the Triffids may have been an, you know, a, an alien seeding. It's, it's very difficult to know, because no explanation is offered for it. So in terms of coronavirus, it, are we saying if we were all a bit nicer to the planet, we wouldn't have got coronavirus? Oh, are we? Are we saying that? <laughs> Every single one of these films, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to try and make it work, work. Are we? I don't no, know. No, I don't know. All I know is that since we've all been not flying and driving as much... Um, pollution has um, yeah, reduced yeah, substantially yeah. in a number of worldwide yeah, cities. Massive. So, okay, tick. They are the Triffids. <laughs> Mother Nature wants to fight back. Yeah. Be nice to her. Be nice to the environment. That's a good lesson to learn at all yeah. times. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to go through some more planetary ones then? Um, how about? Well, there is one film that is not dissimilar. Modern film, which is not dissimilar. Yeah, but was that twenty eight days later? No. Oh, oh. Uh, the happening. Oh, The Happening. They're very, very similar. In fact, possibly the most poignant film around right now. Um, if you remember what The Happening was about, it is essentially a reaction to... It's a, it's a nature reaction to pollution. That's exactly what it is. Causes humans to effectively want to kill themselves. Um, and as the story unfolds, Mark Wahlberg works out that it's humans in, that humans in centred populations that are most at threat because the plants react to people being all together. Um, so cities initially, and as the, and as the uh, reaction unfolds, it becomes more and more acute to the point whereby even just having two people together is potentially um, deadly. So The Happening is the ultimate social distancing film. It is the ultimate film. social distancing film. It, okay. Its message is everyone should stay away from everyone else and then uh, you won't have a problem. Right, let's go through the rules again then. Okay, so I'm just going to read a, a brief plot summary. In New York City Central Park, people begin dying by mass suicide, initially believed to be caused by a bioterrorist attack using an airborne neurotoxin. The behaviour quickly spreads across the northeastern US. High school science teacher Elliot Moore, Mark Warburg, and his wife Alma, which I presume is, is it his wife? Is Zoe Deschanel? Uh, yes. Are convinced by Elliot's mathematician colleague Julian to accompany him and his daughter Jess on a train out of Philadelphia. During the trip, the group learns that blah, 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 blah. I remember talking, they were talking to each other through a pipe in a house. Yeah, It's been a long time since I saw this. I think I saw this in the cinema. 2008. 
Okay, so M. Night Shyamalan film, which I think he was born for coronavirus um, <laughs> and the mysteries surrounding it. Um, uh, the Happening, a film that I believe did not do that well, although here it says, maybe maybe just critically didn't do well, cost $48 million, made 163 So it's doing fine. Um, and we would call this, what is The Happening? That's more of a, it's more of a... <coughs> quick pandemic type scenario it's a fast pandemic that i mean it happens very very quickly and uh, it's, it's not a pandemic it's a are yeah. we saying it's a pandemic no it's, it's in not my, really. it's in my planetary yeah it category. is it is i mean you wouldn't i've well, got to pandemic shit i mean i mean it's not a exactly what the explanation is it's based on a virus but it's some sort of neurotoxin released by plants that effectively causes people to want to kill themselves so again the reason why you wanted to bring it up is because it's a mother nature it is a mother nature one it's exactly the same so what does it say at the end here Another wave of suicides is initiated in Paris. Lovely. Yeah. A red tide warns that the epidemic may have only been a harbin, harbinger, harbinger. I never harbinger. know how to say that. I never know how to say that word. Harbinger of an impending global disaster. Okay, so mm. subgenre environmental <laughs> collapse. Well, it's not easy. It's because it's not environmental. It's about humans. It's about the planet trying to get rid of humans. Yes, yeah, but both, both, both of those, um, uh, the happening and uh, David Triffitt, so mm. it is definitely significantly slanted <laughs> that it is humans doing damage to the planet and the planet and fighting the, back in yeah. some capacity. But in a, but plants particularly, in, by in, the sounds in, of it. In the case of the happening, well, actually, yeah, yeah sorry, both yeah. of them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Pollen and what have you, it is there. A pollen. Pollen tries to kill people. Well, I get hay Planetary fever, so pollen I can honestly pandemic. say pollen uh, is evil anyway. Yeah. <laughs> We're just entering that here, aren't we? Mm. Um, pollen season. So that's not, it's not very helpful when you're not allowed to sneeze and cough and then you do that and you think, well, hang on, is it because of cherry blossom <laughs> <laughs> okay so um that's the film that's the plot um yeah do we really care that much about zoe deschanel and mark Wahlberg in it he's trying to be I mean, serious it, i mean it? if you're asking me is this a good film uh, i don't think it, it's not a good it's not even a good Shyamalan film no it's 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 typical Shyamalan, which is a bit sort of getting a bit lazy with his filmmaking these days. Hmm, that's a bit harsh. It was in 2008, so that was 12 years ago. Yeah. yeah. He, he came back again with Split and Glass and what have you. All right, he's gone, he's, he's gone yeah. up. He's on the upward curve he's, he's again back now. Up. Yeah, so he, has, um, he hasn't flattened the curve. He flattened he's the curve. raised the curve, but in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but I didn't think it was a particularly great film. No, but I think the message... 12 years later still resonates. Well, I think what resonates is social distancing. All of a sudden, <laughs> okay. you know, the two words that are going to define 2020, um, <laughs> that film actually is really all about that. It's right. saying that people don't stay together. Day of the Triff would be nice to the environment. Yeah. Uh, the happening, social distancing is yeah. a good thing. Mm. Boom. Okay, next. Uh, you wanted to put knowing on this list. Do you want to talk about <laughs> Nicolas Cage? Knowing, yeah. Um, okay, the, I'd like to talk about like Knowing, and there's another film um, in the 1950s, actually, um, which is not massively dissimilar, mm -hmm. called um, When Worlds Collide. Right. Um, which is kind of the ultimate apocalypse film. But they're, they're, not, they're not really dissimilar in some ways, and I'll tell you why. Um, they're both about the same thing, which is a mass celestial event threatens mm -hmm. to wipe out all of humanity with little to no chance of anybody surviving. And the only way that people are going to survive is by some slightly non-believable leap of faith. 
So in the case of knowing, it's, it, it, there's, there's going to be a, I think it's, a, I think it's an epic solar flare that's going to torch the entire planet. Yeah. It's going to wipe out all of humanity um, without fail, except there just happen to be some aliens kicking around who are going to save children, just children. Just children. And bung them onto another planet. Um, and what's Nicolas Cage's role then? I've seen this he film. Plays but I don't your, he remember. plays your classic scientist who, who's, who sees what's going on. He's the scientist. I mean, I, I mean, love the, Nick the, thing Cage. About, the thing about it, I mean, I'm simplifying it there because actually there's another point to it, which is the actual the reason why it's called knowing mm-hmm. is because there is a. Um, there are people, I think his own son, in fact, and somebody else in the plot, who um, they can tell when, when events are going to happen. So is this where Cage writes loads of weird stuff numbers, on walls? Sort of numbers, yeah, yeah. So yeah. and and the numbers have to be coordinates yes. of, of disastrous events. Um, so he and this this list he has of numbers predicts exactly where certain events are going to people are going to die. And the list ends with with the two letters E E, which he tries struggles to understand what that means. It actually stands for everyone else, and he realizes on this day. Whatever it is, everyone's going to die. So far, this is very cheery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the aliens do so save children. So there you go. And put them on a mysterious planet. everyone else means everyone else who isn't a kid. Yeah, it doesn't even save all children, just save some. Yeah, I was going to say, and how how old is a child? Uh, Over 10? Yeah, they look maybe early teens, maybe. They didn't look very old. So early teen is okay, but if you hit puberty, you're buggers? I think if you're in a teenager, you're screwed. That's it. Dear me. I mean, there's a lot of kids there, I suspect, were like 13 thinking that's just not fair. Yeah. But that's just the way it goes in these films. Um, anyway, point being is aliens save children, but critically, everybody, everybody is going to die. Nicolas Cage actually gives a lot of false hope in that. He, there's, he starts telling people, look, if we hide deep underground, we might be able to survive. And yeah. Turns out that's a little rubbish, and he knows it's a little rubbish too. Everyone's going to die. Now, the reason why I, I want to pair that with... Uh, do you want me to read uh, read the plot of When Worlds Collide? The well, plot summary again. It, it, I can tell you what it is. It's basically about the um, scientists discover that there is a planet that's on on an in, on a course to hit Earth, and that the effects will be totally disastrous. It will mm-hmm. destroy Earth. But at the same time, another planet is also passing quite close to Earth. And mm-hmm. as it just so happens, and it all has to you know you have to suspend your disbelief. That planet can support human life. So a very small group of people who take all this seriously develop a way of launching a spaceship off Earth to carry a certain number of people to this other planet. Okay. Um, and then obviously that the plot it, the plot unfolds and there's um, various kind of uh, people wanting to buy their way onto the spacecraft and other people and, and then obviously law and order breaks down and everything else. Um, but ultimately. Just like in the case of knowing, there has to be a slightly unbelievable path to whereby certain <laughs> humans survive. Otherwise, quite frankly, it would be just too depressing just to watch the end of the end of all human life as we know it. And as you can imagine, the ship does take off. It does manage to land on the other planet. The air turns out to be breathable. The vegetables turn out to be edible, and the people who are on the spacecraft survive. It requires a mass suspension of disbelief that all of this is even possible, of course. But this is the 1950s, and it was 1951. Uh, yeah. Um, I just like the idea, and the reason why I pair it with knowing is this, this idea that only very, very few people are going to survive, and who are those people, and how are they going to survive? So, uh, sub-genre, aliens know more than, more than, no, that's not more than, a, a, alien? Yeah. No, alien? I suppose you might, yeah. Plus environmental, Well, again? well, I, I don't know. It, it's, I suppose what it is, is, I suppose if I had to characterise that, I'd say it's 99.9% of humanity dies 
and 0.01% has to survive. And it's the manner in which they survive, which is important. Yeah, but I'm yeah. trying to get a subgenre here. Uh, I'd say... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what you call it. I've no idea. But but there there is there is a point. There, there is definitely a kind of category there of it. Most people die, but some people live. But I've missed with both films. Yeah. Why do most people die? Because of the the catastrophe, whatever it happens to be. And what are the two catastrophes? In again? the case of knowing, I think it was a solar flare. I think it was. All oh, right. Yes. Yeah, and, and in the case of when worlds collide, it's because worlds are about to collide. Yes. Um, Clue is in the title. I, I might, okay, so they are. Hang on. So okay, so the subgenre is uh, things that happen in the solar system or the, the or the universe, not things that happen. Yeah. Directly on Earth by humans. Yeah, I, outside yeah, of our control. Yeah, that's good. Or, or yeah, I suppose the ultimate events, force majeure. Yeah, event. I guess events that are so sizable, human technology is not involved yes. enough to be able to actually. Handle I'm just it here yet. making my subgenre. You're good. You're yeah. good. <laughs> I actually think um, Deep Impact you could almost put into this category as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if the if the second that's, that's on that's on the list. But hang on, I haven't finished yet. So sure, um, uh, we've got the we've got the genre, we've got the subgenre, we've got the plots of each of these yeah. films, we've got the relationship between them. What is the lesson? What can we learn from this? I don't know. I I honestly not a lot because. So survival, survival of humanity. Yeah, you might. I suppose just sort of like happy acceptance, because yeah. quite frankly, for what those films seem to suggest is that for people to survive, a sequence of events has to happen, which is frankly beyond belief. Ludicrous. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it might just be, well, we we're all going to die, so maybe we should have a big big party. Well, maybe it's that, or maybe it's humanity is not supposed to be here forever in its current form however even when a huge trans-global trans-universal event happens some of humanity can still be saved yeah or even or, when the worst possible yeah, thing yeah, happens yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole of humanity does not die out or to put it another way i think it, it very much um exemplifies the fragility of mankind so oh, to speak <laughs> Mine sounded um, more positive than yours. But I do agree <laughs> with you that, it, yeah. that there is a suggestion there that humans have always somehow survived, even if most people are going to die. Somehow, there's a, there, there is they will always survive, and I suppose that's a some sort of positive life lesson. Life will find a way. Yeah, life finds a way. Yeah, says Doctor David Malcolm. Yeah, Jurassic the best Park. the best doctor there ever was. Yeah. Um, okay, all right. Do you, do, do, if you're on a roll now, do you want to talk about Deep Impact? Well, I, I, only, I only put Deep Impact in that because if I think if you take Deep Impact, if you if you ignore that if you ignore that bit where the 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 spaceship destroys the second bigger asteroid, the, the, the bigger comet, so to speak. You're doing this again. You need to tell the audience. People know about Not Deep everybody Impact. knows Deep Impact. They might have all been okay. watching Armageddon. Right. They came out at the same time. They had a similar-ish... Well, if you've watched Armageddon, it's the same. There you go. You say that, but Deep Impact, to me, is much, much better, and I think Armageddon was much more successful. I agree with you. I think Deep yeah. Impact was better. So, the plot of Deep Impact is Taylor Leone is a news broadcaster... Yeah. She, there's many characters in this, but I feel like it kind of focuses on her. And she finds out why she's doing her broadcast that a giant asteroid, I meteorite, a I think it's a comet, is coming straight for Earth. And she has to report on it. Um, and it, and it, the chances are that it will hit the planet so hard or, or in the ocean that it the uh, it will be the biggest ever tsunami or something. Well, it will wipe out humanity. And it will wipe out, wipe out humanity. Or vast majority. So Elijah Wood's in it as well. And it's various factions, various people trying to 
decide what to do with their last days. Yeah, they've got, they've got quite a lot of time. Well, a lot of time. They've got probably a few years, a couple of years, I think it is anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and as you say, it's, it's, a, it's an ensemble cast of characters and how they deal with it and um, so on and so forth. Probably critical to it, though, is the government response. Morgan Freeman's the president, yeah. which is always nice. And he comes up with, I think it's a, basically a, three to- a three-pronged way of handling it. Okay. Prong one is to send a spaceship to the comet to blow it up. A la Armageddon. A la Armageddon. Yeah. Um, prong two is if that fails, to hit it with a mass nuclear strike, which you don't really see much of in the film, but it is part of the plot. And prong three is if the worst comes to worth and it hits... Get to high ground. No. Oh. Um, build, build some... Build a survival cocoon. In other words, build a try and put as many, try and save as many people you can by encasing them in some limestone caves. I believe it was. Oh, I don't remember this bit at all. I just yeah. remember Elijah Wood yeah. and Lily Sabisky getting on their bikes, following the animals yeah. up to the top of a mountain. That bit moved yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's part of the plot because ultimately they they are going to save. They think this is just the United States, but not the whole world. Of course, yeah. the United States is going to save. They think about a million people mm-hmm. by um, building using these underground cave systems and effectively sealing it off knowing that the environmental impact on the surface will, will lead to mass death. Of course, that, that, that leads to the question of, well, if you can save a million people, which million people are you saving? Exactly? Well, isn't that known as the um, 2012 Roland Emmerich yeah. question? But we're not going to talk about that. Film. But anyway, the, the reason why I draw it into that category, yeah. uh, the same category as um, knowing and um, when worlds yeah. collide, is because as part of the plot... Um, it gets a bit complicated, but effectively the, the comet splits into two yeah. at one point. And if both comets hit the Earth, then that, that question of which million people survive, in other words, that small percentage, is relevant. Yeah. As it so happens in the plot, only one of the two comets <laughs> hits the Earth, and although the effects are still devastating and great special effects, mm-hmm. it's not um, so devastating that it's going to wipe out humanity. It's going to be a, a, a lesser effect. Which is what actually happens. Which is what actually happens, which is a nice sort of... I think the way they did that was quite smart. Which but Taylor still still dies because she cuddles her dad does. on the beach and I cried at that part. Well, yeah, and you do wonder, God, if you just got the high ground, you'd have actually survived, both of you. Anyway. Mm. Um, but people survive and work goes on. Yeah, in the end, in the yeah. end. Okay, so, subgenre... This is well. It's in the to me. It's yeah. the same thing. Giant celestial event that you can't but do a lot about. There's nothing we can do anything about. Uh, even though they do try, um, yeah. and then 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 comes the question: Who do you save, and how do you save them? But then they never actually get to that. They don't, and I think they carefully so structured the, ethics, the plot in yeah. such a way that it was believable enough to whereby the the impact of the astro of the comet was going to be. You know, catastrophic, but not so catastrophic that it was going to wipe out all life. So this is a two-pronged lesson to learn. Lesson one: we will survive even after, which is like the previous two films. Lesson: yeah. we will survive even after a huge event which should wipe out humanity. Lesson two: how do you get to be one of those million people? Think about I seem to who recall, you know. I just seem to recall on the in the film that certain people were what they call pre-selected, and these are people deemed to have significance and importance in certain areas. Yes, because it had Laura Innes in it, who is known for being an ER and also directing ER. Do you remember she has short red hair? Yeah. And then I think Taylor decides that she's not going to go on the helicopter to this special whatever, and instead she puts Laura Innes' mm. daughter But she's pre-selected, that's why. She's been pre-selected. Yeah. But she's only a newsreader, but, you know. Or something, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the... 
reason yeah. was for picking her. Maybe it was to um, do with the fact that wasn't her dad like a meteorologist. Or yeah, something and then and then and then at some point after you've pre-selected, I think I think they pre-selected mm. about two hundred thousand people, and then the remaining eight hundred thousand, just a, a national lottery. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so hope for lucky, hope for good luck. However, or know the right. However, people. with one rule, yeah. nobody over the age of forty will be in the lottery. <gasps> In memory of the 2,996 lives that were lost that day. 2,996. Come on. I think we should talk about what I watched the other day, so I'm very close to it. Which is Interstellar. Interstellar. Which and it is a nice segue, really, because there is an event that's happening to humanity and the planet, but it's not really being caused by anything other than humans, I think. As from, you don't get that much, but you know that, that basically the crops are dying and humans are running out of food. And also what comes with the crops dying is these weird dust clouds which appear uh, in the same places where there would have been crops. Well, it's, it's reminiscent of the, the Dust Bowl in the um, central United States in the 30s, isn't it? It's basically um, giant over-farming or whatever you want to call it that mm. ended up burying farms. But yeah, carry on. Yeah, so it's the over-farming is what leads to the dust. Yeah. Um, and yeah, over-farming being something that humans yes, created. Yes, indeed. Now, Interstellar is about lots of things, and not all of them are necessarily relevant to this episode of the podcast, but I'll try and briefly surmise the plot. Um, Matthew McConaughey was a NASA astronaut pilot, which I only found out because I read about the film. They don't make it very clear in the film. Sorry, Christopher Nolan. Um, And he is now a farmer because... The world decided that NASA wasn't that important anymore because there were too many issues at home in terms of making sure that humanity didn't die, that money was funneled into trying to do that instead of space exploration. And what Christopher Nolan is trying to do with the film is to say, don't give up on space exploration because that could be the key to the survival of humanity. And I think he lays it on quite thick. Um, So then you have the whole... Um, tesseract black hole part of things which I don't think really like matters to this podcast but anyway uh, him and his daughter Murph get some weird um, binary coordinates from their bookshelves and some dust and then that leads them uh, they drive to where the coordinates are, which is now what NASA is. And NASA is like a top secret organisation now, which has created this building, which is a centrifuge, blah, 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 something that can lift off. Um, I read about this afterwards and I still don't understand all the science. Um, uh, because they have decided that humanity is completely lost and the only way to survive it is a bit like your When Worlds Collide mm. point, where which is you have to go... To another planet. Coincidentally, a black hole has appeared uh, near Saturn, which will <laughs> a wormhole. Sorry, not a black hole. There's a black hole and a wormhole, isn't there? Because it's called Gargant. Yeah. Well, no, no, it's not coincidentally. It's from possibly humans or aliens from the future. It's never quite established. But there's a wormhole. I need to get these two things confused: a wormhole and a black hole. The black hole is called Gargantua. There's a wormhole, and if you go into it, 
it gives you quick travel to a far part of the universe. I've really been going on about this plot for far too long already. Um, and Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway and some other people decide that they are going to go to a possible... They've got enough resources to check out three planets out of 12, which might be habitable. And then various things go wrong on each of the planets, including, spoiler alert, Matt Damon... Uh, who is really good in it as an evil guy who's spent 20 years on his own and yeah he's, like, the, he's, like, he's like Matt Damon from The Martian just goes a bit too crazy well yeah Matt Damon from The Martian was only there four years yeah. and this guy's longer and this is what happens he goes a bit mental and the best thing about the film for me is Taz and Case who are the robots who they use ultimately blah 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 planet 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 issue 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 Murph's trying to solve this gravity problem there's something to do with gravity that you've got to work out um, which is how you can get the humans through to this planet if it is ha- uh, habitable. Anne Hathaway blasts off to... Um, she has all of these embryos that she's going to go to the third planet because they try one and two, it doesn't work. They go to the third planet where she is going to grow them. So she's going to try and grow humanity there, but she's all on her own. In order to do that, because they've fucked up the spaceship multiple times, Matthew McConaughey lies to her and says, I'm coming with you, but then he's not, and then he gets pulled into the black hole, and then eventually the people from the future who he suggests are humans, but we don't actually know, create this tesseract, which is like his bookshelves, and then he gets to give the coordinates, and it's all very time travelly circular, which means he can give the right information via Morse code or binary code in the ticking of a watch to adult Murph, played by Jessica Chastain, and then she can solve whatever this equation is, and then all of humanity um can blast off and and, and live on a space station. It's not it's not yeah. even go to this planet, which is what I thought it was, and then when I watched it again, I must have watched this film five times and I still don't understand it. Um that's just for them to become like live live on a space station because yeah. what the the planet is, sucks and nobody can live Well, it's a anymore. funny thing, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I, th- there's, there's, there's some points in there that I... Ju- I mean, you find this wormhole in your solar system. You send a spaceship through it and there's three potentially habitable planets on yeah. the other side. But what are the... Statistically, as a plan... Yeah, try, trying, no trying to relocate the entirety of humanity through a wormhole to three planets that you don't really know anything about. You don't even know whether they've got vegetation or anything. But about it was them. because they couldn't work and out this gravity thing, and they knew they had the people were dying, and they had to leave the Earth at some point. I, I, I think. I think the, the the point of the you know the black hole and the tesseract that the wormhole is designed to take you to the black hole, not the planets that are sitting around the black hole. The point the point was always to get to the black hole where well, the tesseract is sitting. Because nobody had ever been in it, so yes. nobody knows. Yeah, uh, but they knew that. But but and that's fine in terms of the overall plan. But yeah. I, I always thought that NASA's plan to send people to these three planets was like, wow, that is weak. That is that is just never. There's a one in a hundred million that's going to work. Um, and yet, yet you also be pinning your hopes on it. But yeah. anyway. So the subgenre is sci-fi can sci-fi <laughs> what sci-fi. Where are you going with this? <laughs> Maybe that's just a genre. Sci- sci-fi environmentalism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's very hard, actually. It's very hard to categorise. Yeah. Um, 
I, I suppose humanity is ultimately saved by either aliens or, or or future humans. Well, there are two. There are two things. So there are the the actual humans, which I don't think it's all of them, but a, a lot of actual humans are on because they talk about how there's lots of different like space stations around. So quite a few people must have been yeah. saved. Yeah. They are saved by what Jessica Chastain works out from the codes from. Do you not find that bit, bit? There was a bit of a leap of faith, a bit leap of logic there that somehow coming up with a quantum gravity theory, theory is going to enable you to build giant it said, centrifuge spaceships. No, it said <laughs> in the film they'd Michael Caine had already solved the equation of what to do, but needed some data from being in the black hole, which to me just sounds like absolute bollocks. Well, it but sounds anyway, like Matthew McConaughey, you're going into that black hole, is what it sounds like. Yeah, which is what we all wanted anyway, yeah, and it does it look is. beautiful. Um, so that was that's Plan A, but Plan B actually is it called? Plan? Yeah. Yeah, Plan B is also um, getting people on a planet. So they've only met, they've only done that with Anne Hathaway and all the embryos, but they have actually sorted out two lots of saving of humanity in two different ways, at least for the time being. Yeah. So uh, do we care about these people? Yeah, kind of. It's very nice. It's also got other messages about you know who you love and how love can almost be a construct and it can help you through time and space. And again, you know, that's... Um, something to think about um and the moral the lesson to learn is necessity is a mother of invention possibly <laughs> so it when we're during a pandemic um someone has to find a um vaccine and they will because they have to it smacks of um I don't know. There's a little bit of the old "fix it" button around it. This is a, this is a phrase I I kind of invented mm. pertaining to particular to Star Trek, which was <laughs> I always used to think that they 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 kind of ran out of time in in episodes and had to sort of wrap up the plot in the last five minutes um, with a, with the "fix it" button and you know so oh god press that and oh god that everything's working now and I think Interstellar sort of relies a little bit heavily on a basic slightly odd leap of faith here which is that humans from the future or somebody from the future is going to build you a wormhole and, and build you a tesseract otherwise you're yeah. all dead uh so you're saying the other lesson to learn is uh have faith in future humans. well yeah but there's no evidence i mean like otherwise surely surely future humans will be turning up right now with a coronavirus vaccine wouldn't they well maybe they are they're not telling Does you trump, and me do you think trump well I, I hope to god they're not telling trump because he'll say, I don't well, believe you. Well, because he's already got it. <laughs> well, maybe he's testing it on himself. Yeah. Love isn't something we invented. It's observable, powerful. It has to mean something. Love has meaning, yes. Social utility, social bonding, child rearing. We love people who have died. Where's the social utility in that? None. Maybe it means something more, something we can't yet understand. Maybe it's some evidence, some artifact of a higher dimension that we can't consciously perceive. I'm drawn across the universe to someone I haven't seen in a decade who I know is probably dead. Love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. Do you want to talk about any others? I've got a couple more here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, children of Men. Mm. So this is this is kind yeah. of straddling between pandemic and planetary. 
because it's about fertility. This is your classic slow death one, though, to me. Yeah, so, so this is, yeah, this is slow, not a fast. Um, but this is, this is not a pandemic in terms of a virus or anything like that. No. But at the same time, it is a, it is a plague on humanity because if we can't make any more of us, then we will die out. Yeah. I always wondered how you sort of feel about that. And why society sort of collapses so much in the face of that? Well, I think it's, if you can't make babies, you, people die. Yeah, it means your population's going to decline uh, gradually until, until zero. But Children of Men, the, the plot of Children of Men, um, so it stars Clive Owen and is by Alfonso Cuaron. And I don't even know, can I just quickly say, who, who directed Deep Impact? We haven't even said. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. I'm going to just... Mention this. Oh, Mimi Leader. Yes, we've got a woman. I was going to mention at some point that the Bechdel test is not looking good for these films. It's really not. There's a couple of maybe that pass, but I didn't even actually want to bring it up because I just thought, um, unfortunately, when humanity is at stake, I've got to save all the men as well as the women. So um, I'll have to. So Mimi Leader, well done. Um, and Alfonso Cuaron did uh, Children of Men. And the plot of Children of Men is that there are no more babies born because they do, they don't they have the twenty first birthday of the last person ever to be born. That's what that's what he's watching. Clive Owen is watching on the TV screen right at the start of the film when behind him there's an explosion because I've watched that scene a few times. Um, and then basically he is introduced to. By Julianne Moore, who's his girlfriend. And who is the guy? It's a famous actor. Well, Michael Caine's in it. Is it Michael Caine? Well, he's who in is, it. Yeah. Who, they're, in the, they're in like the woods in England somewhere. And is that where they meet the girl who's pregnant? I think Julianne Moore introduces them. Uh, yeah. Introduces him to Who's, her. by the way, is called Julian in the film, which I think yeah. is quite funny. I'm like, okay, so w- was she originally a guy or they wanted to call her Julian, but they didn't want to call her Julianne? I don't know. It's a strange choice. Um, maybe that's how um, Quaron says Julianne. And he goes, Julianne, Julianne. I don't know. Um, yeah. And so they meet this, uh, they meet this girl who happens to be pregnant. We don't know, really know the circumstances of it, but this is a miracle because the last person who was born uh, is 21. And the planet is basically dying. People are well, it's tearing, rioting. Well, it's tearing itself apart. Yeah. Um, there, there's various points alluded to. There's some sort of nuclear explosion in New York that's alluded to in, in, at some point in, yeah. in the plot. And Britain, where it's set, has become a police state. Yeah. And the film is about... It's kind of a journalist. He knows a lot of people in high places because he eventually goes to see people to try and see what he can do to... Because he's caught between wanting to help this woman and also knowing the more people he talks to about it, the more, the, you know, the, the more dangerous it is. Because I suppose because some people don't want any more babies to be born, which is, you know, like, I don't know, um, partying while Rome's burning or something. Well, it, well, it, it, it poses a simple question, which is in, in her position, the... the... The, the mother of the of this mm. you know, unborn child is in immediate peril from well I, I don't know crazy from, people from the state from everybody from really. crazy crazy people. Um, even though she represents hope for the future I think I think the idea is is that 
she represents the future, they re- and all the other people represent the past, and therefore they are potentially uh, threatening to her, ultimately. I think she's called Key, which is hilarious. She's the Key. And the <laughs> actress, I just Subtle. want to mention her because I don't know anything else about her. Claire Hope Ashety. Uh, oh, she's an illegal immigrant. I think maybe that might be part of the issue. Yeah. As well. Um, <laughs> I think like a bit of uh, topical uh, well, commentary. Well, yes, Quaron likes to do that in his films. Um, uh, and ultimately, the end of the story is she gives birth, doesn't she, at the very end? Yes, it all she looks does. like it's terribly gone to shit and various people die and there's fighting and they're basically in like a war zone. Yeah. With yeah, these empty are. buildings. Yeah. And then she gives birth. And the sound... No, no, no. Does she give birth? Yes, because she... the sound of the child. On the boat? Because, no, because oh. the sound of the, of the child. Oh, is what stops everybody. You're right. And everyone goes silent. Yeah. And she walk, they walk through with the baby. Yeah. Yes. But then the end, the very end scene is her with the baby on a boat going out into the mist. And we don't know where she's going. going but the going, idea is it will be safer. Some kind of mythologized uh, sort of haven that may or may not mm. exist. I don't know. Mm. But Clive Owen has decided, long since decided, she's better off going to this mystical yeah. place than she is staying in the, the UK which is tele- tearing itself apart anyway and it says here as the credits roll the sound of children laughing and playing can be heard in the background possibly implying that the fertility crisis was solved thanks to Key that's a leap yeah yeah. let's it, be positive yeah. I, mean, I, I, I mean there's some obvious points about one baby that's not a species yeah. make it's just quite clearly it's uh, <laughs> who knows it's a wonderful film I really enjoyed it um, and it made me think. However, I don't know how positive. It's probably more realistic than a lot of these films are. So, have I said what the what have I said what the subgenre is? Um, Slow death, that one. Yeah, but it's um, uh, fertility, fertility, slow death movie. Wow, I'll well, look, it, I'll look well, more of those say, up on I'd Netflix. Say, I'd say it has a lot. It has things in common. Well, no, if you're talking about sort of like the the sort of the. The slow death sort of movie has a lot, quite a lot in mm-hmm. common with Interstellar, in that people are basically going to live on for a period of time, and not even a small period of yeah. time. Potentially, you know, another generation. Yeah. It's it's that doom of what, sl- fifty yeah. years time that that's the problem. Slow destruction of humanity. But but you could argue so the problem with Children of Men over Interstellar is that nobody knows why the infertility is happening and it's not that much speculated in the film. I think there's some discussion about it, but there is no no explanation. No, yeah, and fertility is. is declining in some parts of the world right now. So it's, you know, prescient potentially. Mm. And it could be all sorts of things from what's in our water to what we're eating to um, you know, um Radiation. Are we, eating, are we eating radiation? So no, they're two separate things. Oh, right. We're okay. being radiated. I don't know. Um, so yeah, there's another moral here, which is often the way with films, which is do not give up or hope. Something will happen at, at the at the you know the, the end of humanity's existence to continue it. Um, I think there's some other negative ones as well, some things to be aware of. And I think to to make this back to, to relate this back to coronavirus, it, you know, you have to realise that people act like idiots when they think their time might be up. And I think, you know, anything from the stockpiling and toilet paper um, hoarding is just a brief example of the things that are happening now. So I think... 
you know, be prepared, but also learn not to go crazy because if everybody acts crazy, then well, you're it's just also, thwarting. Yeah, humanity. it's also, it's also, I would say, believable in as much as in a situation like that, a police state may be the only way you can maintain control. Oh, God. Um, okay. I think left to their own devices in a, in a sort of liberal democracy, people would start, that there would be rioting. And the only way to keep order might be to do it that way. You know, horrendous though that may seem. Um, but yeah, shame. <laughs> I was just looking for the last film to say on this before we move to pandemics. Yes. And I don't know if you've ever seen this film, but it also relates to the um, asteroid hitting the Earth. Um, but I just thought it... I wanted to raise it because when I watched it, I just thought it was a really brave film to make, given its message, which I'll get to. And it's also by Lorraine um, Scafaria, who made Hustlers. So this is quite good that inadvertently I've managed to get two films made by women in this list. Quite happy with this. And it's called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Have you ever... I've heard of it. I've seen yeah. it. So it's, it's good. I enjoy it. And it's with Steve Carell and Kira Knightley. And basically an asteroid's going to hit Earth. And what, what I like about it is... Every other film we've talked about, humans are trying desperately hard to stop the thing that is inevitable. And in this film, it is inevitable and there is no way of changing things. And asteroids is going to hit the world and people are going to die. Possibly everybody. I can't remember. I saw it ages ago. Let's have a look. Destroying all life on Earth. Yeah. And basically... Um, they're called Dodge and Linda, it says. They accidentally meet because I think Steve Carell climbs into her window trying to get away from someone. And I think they've got like seven days. And basically, she's quite depressed. He has a few issues. They're kind of loners. So, it's, so again, it's a social distancing, but they have to get together. And then they go on this car journey. And it's, and it's about learning about each other. And they kind of fall in love, but they don't. It's not... It, it's more about... It's called Seeking a Friend, you know? So it, I think they they... they they kind of develop a, a friendship familial love. I think that's really important. It's not just yeah. like a romance. Yeah. And basically, it's it's just about um, them learning the importance of life in the last few days. And then, are you ready for this? Major spoiler, it ends. They're all dead. That is how the film ends. That would be uh, quite unique in that, in that respect. Yeah. Generally speaking, films, <laughs> films tend to offer a glimmer of hope. There is no hope at the end of the film. If I remember rightly, it just all like, um, it fa- fades to black or I think it fades to white. Um, and that's it. And that's the end. And I just remember thinking when I watched it, I'm really sad, but also good for you because no one ever makes a film where this thing actually happens. Yeah. So I suppose the, the, the subgenre is indie i don't know indie it is kind of like indie buddy it is sort of a comedy it's it's a black comedy but yeah. it's, you know it's it's not yeah. it's not super dark um yeah i'd say indie tragedy comedy <laughs> and i would say the message is the world might all end try and make the most of it <laughs> Yeah. While you're here, and you could have the best time in your whole life and the happiest you've ever been right before it all disintegrates. That <laughs> um, was good. Yeah. So, yeah, sort of, yeah, sort of positive. Yeah. <laughs> positive well, and very negative. Just acceptance, blind acceptance of the end of the world. I'm going to pass you off to Katie, okay? You're in warm hands with her. My skin feels great. Thanks, Darcy. Isn't he incredible? Hi, I'm Katie. Can you slide over, please? Oh, 
Can I touch your hair? Yeah. It's so soft. Thank you. Can I get you guys something to wet your whistle? Everything's awesome. How are your mudslides? Awesome. Can we get two mudslides? Yes. Thank you. Do you guys want to know the specials? Because these guys are getting really creative. No, I'm just mudslides. As always, thanks so much for listening to this, the first part. Um, if you're still interested in what actual pandemic films can tell us about surviving coronavirus, then uh, tune in next week to part two. If you have any thoughts on films that have helped you in the current crisis, then please either drop us a line at beyondbeck at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at beyond underscore Beckdale. That's B-E-C-H-D-E-L. Please stay safe. The movie industry needs you. Till next time. Bye.